Hi, my name is Chaelin Askew, and for the last five years, I've helped lead campaigns and organizations to encourage more Americans to be more civically active. We've helped register close to 400,000 folks, and we've engaged close to 9 million Americans. But with news happening at such a fast pace, we're exploring a new medium to encourage voting. I'd like to introduce you to our new podcast, The Delve. Today marks our first episode, and I'm extraordinarily excited for you to join the ride as we delve into the stories and the issues that make voting so important. Hello, my name is Jalen Askew, and this is The Delve. Hi, my name is Patrick, and I'm on The Delve production team. So what are we going to talk about today, Patrick? Today, we're going to talk with Howard Polskin. Howard runs the website TheWriting.com, which tracks the top stories in conservative media and sends out a daily newsletter on what's happening in conservative news. Great. Well, let's talk more about this with Howard. Awesome. Should be an interesting conversation. So, Howard, we're so excited to have you on today, and um, you, your site is kind of like a one-of-a-kind, you know, wonder in, in, in this space. So, I want you to tell me a little bit about the writing and kind of what do you track and, and why you track it. So, um, the writing is a, um, is a website that tracks right-wing media for mainstream and liberal audiences. And the main reason I started it was the day after Donald Trump was elected president of the United States, I thought, how did that happen? I thought I was well-informed, smart. I read the New York Times, went to the BBC.com, watched the NBC nightly news, read Time magazine, and how did I miss this? And what is going on in America? And then I started... I knew about all these sites like Breitbart, Infowars, even National Review, but I'd never been to that. So I started to, uh, to go to those sites. It was a journey of discovery. And I thought, well, this is time consuming. I wish someone's got to have a, a newsletter that aggregates the headlines from these sites and just sends it to me so I don't have to um, do all this hard work. And there was nothing there. And that's when the idea came to me. It's like, well... I guess, you know, it's it's an ugly job and someone's got to do it. I guess that person will be me. Right. And I guess, tell me a little bit about some of the news outlets that you do track. Well, what's out there? I mean, I didn't, you know, when, when I decided to start looking into it, I didn't know if there were like six or seven of these outlets or 100 or 200. I had no idea. Like most things in modern day life, you go to Google, you Google conservative websites and things start spitting up what's there. And I was able to find about 30 to 40 conservative websites. Wow. And, 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 and by the way, um, there were far more many conservative and right wing websites than there are liberal websites. Wow. Uh, so it's like that, that was one of the first ahas. It's like, oh, my God, there's. Look at all! The, look at all everything that's out there. And the, the other observation was um, that you know these were um, fairly professional 
They were, mm. they were well edited. It wasn't that there were grammatical errors or punctuation mistakes. A lot of, you know, some of them were just repurposing other material that had been out there. Right. But, um, a lot of it was a pretty strong opinion and there was some original reporting. So just as a, um, the observation of someone as a media watcher like myself, who's pretty obsessive about it, I was, I was, I was impressed. Um, and I didn't want to be impressed, but I couldn't help but think like, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people being employed by this industry and a lot of different points of view were being pushed out there. Um, that right. were completely um, against my political beliefs, but it was a real eye opener to me. So these were more than just your everyday blogs. These were actually like professional outfits. Yes. So, you know, obviously the, 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 the 8,000 pound gorilla is Fox News or Fox.com. Right. And Foxnews.com is a massive site. It almost has as many um, visitors every month as, as CNN.com. Foxnews.com has more visitors than the New York Times or the Washington Post or places like Vox, uh, The Atlantic, or Slate, or The Daily Beast. So it's, it has a huge, huge footprint. You know, Fox News probably has 10, Foxnews.com has 10 times as many um, visitors a day as the next um, largest conservative website. They're, they're, just, they're just massive. Wow. All right. And then... Just by seeing the, the multitude of, of outlets out there, it's kind of changed the way that people get their news. And we talk a lot about, you know, conservative cable news and, you know, like you mentioned, Fox. It's really a whole multimedia platform. Do you think it makes it perhaps a little bit more difficult to, to regulate what's, what's being said? Oh, it feels completely unregulated. Mm. It doesn't feel regulated. It feels like whatever... Um, Whatever's on people's mind, it could be irresponsible. It could be wrong. Um, it's amazing what gets thrown out there, right? And it's you know, and and, and you want to you want to look at anything. Go to the site, the neo-Nazi website, the Daily Stormer, um, and it's it's absolutely vile. And I, I don't even include that in my daily roundup. It's just it's it's it's, it's too far out there. Yeah, it's something I don't I don't want to visit. But right. you know, that represents the absolute far, far right to me. Right. And, and this is perhaps a little bit of an interesting question, but would we want to perhaps introduce regulation into some of these online platforms? Um, I, I, I'm, I would, I'm kind of more free market and let's let them, uh, let, let, let the consumers regulate it by whether they go or they don't go. And um, it's like, who, who are you going to trust to regulate? It? Would you trust the Trump administration to regulate this? You know, what would be regulated might be the, um, the few liberal websites out there. So, no, I think I think it should be I think it should be unregulated and let the buyer beware. And I think right. there's a lot of efforts out there to label certain information, you know, misinformation. There's certain places you can go that can tell you whether this is a reliable site or not. Sure. And then you studied the analytics of the major conservative news platforms. And I guess what insights have you found 
from some of the data that you've that you've mined? So, uh, you know, good question. So, j- just so you know, my background, my career has been bifurcated between journalism and public relations, and I worked in public relations mm-hmm. at CNN in the '90s. And one of the things I did for Turner Broadcasting every week, I put out the um, for the for the entire company the weekly ratings report. And, and, and I worked with a professional research department of 15 people, and there were certain rules that you would adhere to because you didn't want to uh, put your finger on the scale when you were um, uh, providing audience numbers. And I've carried those lessons with me into the writing. And with, with the writing, when you look at all the number of outlets that are out there, you know, once you've identified them, which, which I did very early on with the writing, the next thing is, well, who's got the biggest audience? Right. And that the question after that is, is that audience growing or shrinking? You know, the insight is, as, as I said earlier, number one, Fox News is by far the dominant player um, in, 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 in the online space, much like the way they are in the cable space. But after that, it's, um, it breaks down and it, it's really, right now it's a horse race for number two position between two, Washington-based media outlets, the Washington Times and the Washington Examiner. And both of them um, are experiencing um, very dramatic growth. Um, so it's like, wow. And a lot of that, I think you could you, you could put to the coverage of the pandemic. That's certainly a, uh, in the coverage of the um, social unrest in the, com- in the country. Um, but they're, they're both audiences were growing dramatically even before um, March of this year. So there's a, there's, a, there's a thirst on the right for this kind of information. You know, the big, the big surprise, I think, is that the, um, uh, the collapse of Breitbart. Uh, Breitbart has, has you oh, know, okay. for, for, for almost three years, Breitbart lost audience. And, you know, it, it looks to me like they, they sorely missed uh, Steve Bannon. According to new metrics from Comscore, Breitbart's traffic declined in May for the seventh straight month. The slide began three months after former CEO Steve Bannon was forced out of his top advisor role in the White House and two months before he left Breitbart altogether. You know, Breitbart is, you know, when I started this three years ago, I, I you know, Breitbart was, was, was an enormous force out there and it, it does not have the same, the same um, audience that, that they had then. Do you think that perhaps the collapse of kind of like their audience was linked to when Steve Bannon joined the Trump campaign? I, I struggle with what the cause is. Um, mm. And to, 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 to have an um, intelligent answer would have required me to follow the masthead obsessively and to track the stories that they had. So for instance, early on when I started the writing in um, uh, in, in the last half of 2017, 2018, I did observe that they actually had reporters along the border of Texas and Mexico. And that really impressed me. To put someone on the, on the road to, yeah. to cover something, that, that takes money, that takes resources. And um, I don't see that kind of reporting anymore from Breitbart. And, 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 and so I, I can't tell for sure whether it's because of the audience tastes have shifted or because their news gathering has changed, the point of view has changed, it's very hard for me to put a, put, to put a finger on it. Now, for a place like the Washington Examiner, 
You can tell, I know from my reporting about the Examiner, I've done a story about the Washington Examiner for the Columbia Journalism Review. It's because, you know, their audience has grown so dramatically because they make uh, enormous resources into posting as much content as possible. Some of their junior reporters have to produce as many as eight or nine stories a day. That That's a lot of content. <laughs> yes. yes, it is. Uh, so I, I think another probably interesting question is, what are the most common ways that these platforms create their bias? Is it with confusing wording, um, some type of like odd headline? Is it misleading data? Um, there's certain stories that create a lot of buzz for them. So mm. anything that's um, anti-elitism, anti-Hollywood, anti-science, anti-Hillary, those are the stories that, that generate a lot of attention for these sites. Very controversial point of views will be helpful for them. You know, this is from Town Hall today. There's nothing more exciting than America buying more guns. You know, so that's, yeah, pro-guns is something that is pretty reliable for these websites to, to, hit, that, to, to hit that note. And so I guess we know that Donald Trump gets a lot of his information from conservative news sources. Is there some type of feedback loop? You know, so if you study Donald Trump's use of language, um, right. which is pretty simple, but he likes to say, uh, quote, people are saying, People say that. Right. People say that, and that's his thing. And so, as someone who um, who goes to these right wing websites in the morning, when he's you know I, I, I watch the news later in the day and I, I see him say that, and I was like, oh my god, he's he's referring to that article in the Gateway Pundit or Infowars. Wow. So any story that would appear in these outlets, it it could reinforce his or shape as scary as it is his worldview. And, um, and it gives him the, um, the determination and, and the cover to say, you know, people are saying, this is what I'm hearing. Uh, right. Uh, just because it appears on, on these websites. And that's pretty scary. And I, I do know for sure that the Trump administration does quote the research from right-wing um, media monitoring organizations like Newsbusters. And, right. you know, that, that, that gets used a lot as well for their talking points. Could this be one way that Trump is influencing policy? Could he be perhaps taking suggestions and cues from not just like Fox and Friends, but perhaps Newsbusters and even more probably scary, Infowars? Yes, I, I definitely think so. Absolutely. I think it's all, I, I don't think um, the Trump administration, you know, thinks like that's not a reliable news source. The fact that right. it gets said makes it so. How scary is that? Is there, I I mean, I hate to put you on the spot, but is there any um, news story that pops in your head that you've seen on, you know, Infowars or Newsbusters or one of the more like obscure uh, conservative news outlets that you saw Donald Trump actually use for policy? I can, nothing comes to mind, but that's not because I... That might be a good thing. (laughs) Not not because it happens so much, you know, I'm looking at... um, uh, 30 stories a day. So I see 150 oh, wow. a week. So it's yeah. just all in this constant stream. So I, 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 I can't pull anything out for sure. Right. And, and then I guess another thing that's kind of still on this topic. 
sometimes when the president speaks, whether it's at a news conference or via Twitter, um, some of his comments might seem a little baffling, uh, perhaps to, you know, kind of mainstream America. And do you think that he's perhaps speaking to a certain subset of people who rely on these, you know, conservative news sources for their news? Um, I, yes, I do think he's he's speaking to that base. To the to he's speaking to the people who are reading these websites. Right, There's no question in my mind. It, That's incredible. <laughs> it, it's like it's it reinforce it's 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 a circ, it's a virtuous circle. Right, and so like where does it stop? You know where does it stop and where does it start? I can't I can't tell at all. But that's the way it is. So for instance, you know you'll see like two nights ago Tucker Carlson on his on his show was talking mm. about um, how public schools need to be open. Well, Trump is saying that same thing. So did it start with Trump or did it start with Tucker Carlson? I Like who's, who started it? I don't know. You know, is Tucker Carlson saying this to parrot Trump or does Tucker Carlson have the idea in his head and Trump picks up on it because he thinks it's the place? It's very hard to, to, distinguish, to distinguish any of this. There's going to be presidential debates between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And the moderator may ask a question. You know, it could be fair to say that Vice President Biden might give a fairly standard, you know, statement <laughs> or response. But the president might actually say something that's a little like off color or or different. Do you think that he's just trying to speak to this subset of people? Like, hey guys, this is for my voters. This might not necessarily be like a an answer for you know, mainstream America. This is for my base. Well, you know, to answer that question fully, I'd, I'd, I'd have to like climb into his mind, which is uh, <laughs> not eager to do. Um, I, you know, I, I, I kind of think that the as someone who's been observing Trump carefully since the summer of 2016, then I, I think part of the secret to his success is he sounds um, he sounds authentic. He sounds like a guy on the next bar stool when you ask yeah. him a question. He answers it that way. You know, there's kind of a refreshing quality about it. And if you watch him at his, you know, he does best at his rallies when he's just riffing. Um, again, mm. that's that, you know, guy on a bar stool kind of thing. It's, it's really as, as performance art, and my, my liberal friends hate me saying this, as performance art, I think it's brilliant. That's what right. he does. And it's like, and, 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 and we watch as well, you know, mainstreamers and liberals watch because it's a performance and it's amazing. And even when, when he, when he spoke in Tulsa, he spoke for nearly two hours. So, yeah. you know, I live in Manhattan. I go to Broadway place. If you saw a one man performance <laughs> for two hours, it would be like the, it would be you'd stand up and applaud. And that is, you know, that is Trump. And that's how he, that's how he got to where he, he is. And it's because I do think he's speaking from his heart and the dark heart it is. We'll be right back after this message. As you go through different phases of quarantine, you might have neglected your skin. But don't worry, you can take care of it with Public Skin. Public Skin is an online retailer with specialized products and treatments to give you your best smooth and healthy looking skin. You'll have your skin all of your life, so take care of it. For your best skin, go to publicskin.co. Wow. I, I just want to go back for a second to, I guess, 
the variety that there is in conservative news platforms. Right. Um, you were saying that Fox News is one of the more calmer <laughs> of the outlets. Would you say that there are, are levels to conservative news? It, it gets a little bit more and more out there. Yeah, so, yeah Fox News definitely is. Um, it's like level one. <laughs> they're level one. And I guess you would fault them. It's not what they run. It's what they don't run. Mm. So that would be so. And that requires, you know, and to really monitor what they're doing, you'd have to spend like three hours a day on that. And to say, oh, they didn't they didn't cover this story. They, they, they placed it here or there or everything like that. You know, that's that's basically. But I think you could be a reasonably well-informed person by reading um, Fox News. I would say uh, Newsmax is you could you could you could find out what's happening in the world. Washington Times and Washington Examiner. Yeah, you could, if you, you only had that, I think you could still go out in the world and, you know, feel reasonably comfortable that you're not going to be surprised. I think um, the National Re- Review is, um, is very reliable, well-written, but it would be, you know, it's not, it doesn't represent my point of view a lot. But if any, um, any conservative outlet that has the possible ability to change my mind, uh, that would be the the National Re- Review, and then you start um, getting into sites like um, Town Hall, which has a lot of opinion writers. There's a guy Kurt Schlichter, who uh, who writes a lot there. I think he writes three times a week. He, he's a lawyer by training, and and I think he's a, com- a stand-up comedian. He's he's really good, talented. He's a talented guy, but his um, his political point of view is completely scary. There is nothing a liberal hates more than the notion that at the end of the day, we can stick a mag in and say, nah, I don't think so. But I think as, um, as something that's amusing, it's, it's, it's good to read. And um, it would be scary if people are, you know, believe a lot of what he's saying. And then you start, um, I, I think some place like the um, Washington Free Beacon is a, is a smaller site. They take it's their story selection is interesting. It's they don't go with the obvious stories um, every day, and so you kind of get a different point of view. But then you start getting into places like um, Infowars, Breitbart, um, and it starts getting. Um, the These are gateway. like level yeah nine yeah, ten yeah the Gateway Pundit. It's kind of like whoa, you know, and um, uh, WND places like that, and it's a big league politics. And you go like, wow, these are, you know, you know, go visit there. But, you know, <laughs> make sure, you know, you, 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 you know, your mind gets washed afterwards. So this is an interesting question. Is Fox News kind of like the gateway drug to like this more outlandish news? Um, I, I never thought of it that way. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, you know, that, 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 that's, a, that's a good question. Let's put it this way. Fox News has like one out of every three Americans. So if, you know, our, our country has, a, if the U.S. has a population of 330 million, so right. it means like roughly one in three Americans, um, if, only, if, if only Americans visit that site, come to Fox News every, every you know, every month. So that's pretty wow. incredible. Um, that is incredible. That's, that's a pretty big. That's a pretty big site. I, my guess would be that people go to Fox and then they, 
go to these much smaller outlets as well for just right. like you know you go to new york times and then you'll you go to other sites for um, other points of view sure and then i know that you mentioned that a few of the outlets are a little bit more selective about which articles they post in i guess in terms of probably like the the biggest story of the day which is the coronavirus how are the different news outlets handling it? Um, wow. Well, I was quite alarmed in March at the tone of the coverage throughout the right-wing um, media universe. Mm. Um, I know there was a wave of denialism at the end of um, February. See, Rush Limbaugh, the conservative radio commentator, he, he's, got a, he's got a really great website. I'm, I'm an admirer of what he does with his website. He posts mm -hmm. all his commentaries, uh, his entire radio show on his website, the transcripts, and he breaks it down by subject. So, he, so I go there every day to see what he's saying, and rather than spend the time listening to the show, I can, I can zip through his, his, the transcripts. So on February 24th, he called the coronavirus the common cold. And now he said correctly the survival rate was 98%, but he admitted predictions that a third of the country could be infected. So that set the tone. That, you know, Rush Limbaugh was very influential. And, you know, that was very, very damaging to the country and, and you know, helped make the pandemic a political football. And, and then, you know, the coverage started um, shifting into... Um, it won't, it's not so bad, it won't last long. Because of all we've done, the risk to the American people remains very low. People die from the flu. It's going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle, it will disappear. And places like American Thinkers said like, oh, the statistics about the pandemic should be taken with a grain of salt. And that, you know, the new, even the New York Post weighs in and says, tells its readers, the spread of the virus continues to slow. And then, on Fox News on the 21st of March, a doctor, Dr. William Hazelton, wrote that the, he predicted that the pandemic may end sooner than we expected. And then it was all kinds of China bashing as well. Sure. And that was like, oh, why are we even going there? Like, we're all in right. it together. Like, and then there was, there was a whole bunch of stories uh, from the right about um, bashing mainstream media you know, that's really put under that category of shoot the messenger, like, because the mainstream media was telling the truth about what was happening, that that was being criticized. And then predictably, the Democrats were being, uh, were being blamed as well for what they were saying about the, um, about the virus. So it, it probably wouldn't be too far-fetched to say that these outlets have had an impact on how seriously people are taken this massive public health crisis? I mean, I would say, listen, you've got, um, you know, again, it's that virtuous circle. I keep saying it's, an, you've got the leader of the country yeah. and you've got this, the, the right wing media echoing what he's saying, either echoing or he's echoing them. I don't know who's coming first, but they, together, they amplify the message. And that's what's so disturbing. This is fascinating and great work and i wish we could talk more uh howard thank you so much for taking some time to speak with us today <laughs> hope i wasn't too dark you know let's let's hope for a cure and um, hope for sun to learn more about howard and his incredible work 
go to thewriting.com and subscribe to this free newsletter today. Hi everyone, we just launched a new podcast and when we were looking for the best platform to get started, we landed on Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.